Welcome into the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller, and tonight I am, again, your only host. Couldn't get together with Daniel. Uh, had some scheduling conflicts. He had some more stuff going on, and we, we couldn't get together at our normal time, especially because I ended up going to a high school football game tonight. Shout out to my alma mater, West Harrison. Uh, capped off their best season in school history with six wins, first winning season ever. I know that's sad, but it's you know a younger school that just hasn't been able to have a lot of success in football. So fun to watch them get that win. But because of my attendance at that game, as well as some of the stuff that Daniel had going on, we couldn't get together. So going to just be me tonight. We'll get through this, though. We've done this before. Uh, time to talk about Auburn. Mississippi State has a big game in Starkville this weekend. Um a game that's going to kick off a stretch run for the season where State's going to try to close this year out the way that you need them uh, to do in order to have faith in Mike Leach and his staff going forward. So obviously we have a lot to talk about with that game, but we do want to run through a, a few things. Um, you know, obviously we, we broke down what happened with John Cohen and that whole situation. Uh, if you want to hear what me and Colton had to say about that, you can go listen to the podcast we put out on Tuesday, really broke it down well, but the thing with John Cohen, though, that has become interesting, obviously, is, you know, the whole NIL situation where, you know, Cohen with the Ross Dellinger article, uh, it makes it kind of clear that his reasoning for going to Auburn is largely based around uh, the NIL collective they have set up there out on the plains, whereas, you know, NIL funding has not been there at Mississippi State. Um, it was sort of painted as a picture where state fan, the state fan base and boosters were not at all interested in promoting NIL and or buying into NIL rather. And look, to be fair, the, the, we certainly could have done a better job overall as a fan base. Um, but I think we also all realize from our perspective, John Cohen never did much to promote NIL and really, uh, you know, try to rally the troops and make people understand this is where the sport is trending. You have to be competitive in NIL if you want to stay competitive on the field. And, you know, what little he did push for NIL, a lot of it was, headed towards baseball and look I know how important baseball is to Mississippi State fans but the reality is you got to be pushing into football you got to be pushing into men's basketball those are your two big time revenue sports those are the sports that get the most viewership have the most traction nationally you needed to see more of that and obviously Cohen goes off to Auburn you know NIL is sort of the whole big thing and you know it kind of worked as a rallying rallying cry for Mississippi State fans um the Bulldog Initiative, led by the great Charlie Winfield. Shout out to Charlie for all the efforts that he's been putting forth and setting, getting this collective rolling. Uh, by since I believe this morning, they had more than tripled uh, their total members. They were around 300 not that long ago, um, and and as of this evening, they're over a thousand members are now a part of this who are either you know one-time donations or monthly donations. And in a little over 72 hours since losing John Cohen. More than $500,000 in annual donations uh, have been uh, c committed to the Bulldog Initiative, which is a huge step forward. That is a massive amount of growth in such a short time. Obviously, you still have a long way to go. You're still well behind where a lot of other schools are. But I think it's becoming very clear. You know, I, There was a narrative from Auburn fans that this is Mississippi State fans having a wake-up call uh, because of the situation. And apologize if you hear barking right now. Um, from that's from my dog uh, narrative that this is a whole situation where you know wake up call you lose your AD because of this and now your fans realize oh crap we have to do this 
I think that we also recognize that it's finally a situation where it's being pushed and being promoted on campus uh, in a way that it wasn't with John Cohen. And you're seeing state fans get behind it. The hope, of course, is that whoever comes in as the next AD is going to be someone who commits to it. And that's my biggest thing. I want someone who is going to embrace NIL, embrace the future of college athletics, because I want Mississippi State ultimately to be the best it can. Look, I understand a lot of people don't like NIL. They're not fans of it. There are parts of it that I don't like. But the reality is that's where the sport is trending. And if you want to be as competitive as possible, you got to embrace that side of things. So it's nice to see some good growth. Hopefully that continues. So if you can donate to the Bulldog Initiative, please do. Big topic with this game is kind of in the forecast. You, you never really want that to be something that becomes a conversation piece for a game. But as I'm sure most of you have seen by now, we do have a cold front that's going to be pushing through on Saturday. And it's going to be dumping rain all across the state of Mississippi. Uh, looks to be just a really wet day across the state. But as it stands right now, it does appear that that line of storms should be pushed through uh, before kickoff in the evening in Starkville. Um, could be some lingering showers that stick around afterwards. So, you know, not going to completely rule out the chance of rain. Um, but it does look as though that the heaviest rain and heavy downfalls shouldn't really be an impact in the, uh, during game time. You feel like those storms should be pushed out of the way. Now, but of course, now that I'm saying this, it'll be our luck that that front and that line of storms stall and we end up getting all the heavy rain during the game. But as of now, it looks like that should be out of the way. So going to be soggy during the tailgate, or if you're going around town in Starkville, definitely want to have the rain gear ready. And again, not going to completely rule out that you could see some showers that linger around during game time. But in terms of this being a washout and being the type of rain that should have a massive impact on the game, I don't think we need to worry about that too much as it stands. But course stay posted for any things that could update uh could come uh, over the any updates could come over the next few days so i kind of mentioned this earlier that this is the stretch run beginning for mississippi state and you're going to get some players back uh, to start it Jaden uh Crumity looks like he is going to be making his season debut obviously it stinks that your best defensive lineman a senior has missed the first eight games of the season but the expectation is that he will be ready to go on saturday which is huge considering you're facing a team who's emphasis is so heavily built around running the football you want to have one of those big time defensive linemen out there on the field somebody that you can trust to get stops as well as get after the quarterback who's you know a guy who obviously is going to be able to run around some and Robbie Ashford we'll talk more about the Auburn offense in just a few minutes looks like you're gonna get LaQuinston Sharp back at center and Dylan Johnson back at running back Johnson may not be 100% but he should be ready to go for this game obviously that's a big boost for the offense uh you know Sharp is your best offensive lineman. He is your best run blocker. He's the one that's leading all the communication out there. Uh, I, I thought State did probably as well as you could have asked them without him against Alabama. Um, but you need him out there. And Auburn's got some, you know, probably one of the better parts of their defense is up front along their defensive line. You want to make sure you have a guy in LaQuinton Sharp back out there. And, of course, Dylan Johnson, he is your toughest, most physical runner even you know catching passes out of the backfield, you always trust that he's just going to fall forward for an extra three, four, five yards, even after contact. Um, and especially for the run game specifically, again, we'll preview the Auburn defense in just a few minutes, but defensively Auburn has not been good against the run. And you do have a good stable of backs, but you want your lead guy in Dylan Johnson out there. So you should have those guys back. Now, the unfortunate news is it does sound like you are going to be without your best player on defense and Emmanuel Forbes. Um Forbes, obviously, I think at this point, is semifinalist for the Thorpe Award and I think the Benaric Award as well. 
He was a midseason All American by CBS Sports. We we know look, we know Emmanuel Forbes how freaking good he is. That is a tough loss. Um, it doesn't sound to be super serious. It kind of sounds like a week by week thing where. I think a lot of people, the people who have the information that he's out are also leaning that he'll probably be back against Georgia. You know, we'll see. Uh, You never know with these injuries, but tough loss. But if there's an SEC team that you want to face that you're not too worried about losing somebody who uh, in your secondary, it's probably Auburn. And again, I know I say this and just our luck, that's when they're going to go for 300 passing yards. But uh, as I pointed out to one of my friends uh, just a few moments ago, texting them, if Auburn lights us up in the air because we lost Emmanuel Forbes, that says more about State's secondary and defense as a whole than it does the fact that you lost Emmanuel Forbes. Um, but certainly a big loss, something to keep an eye on. Uh, but at the end of the day, though, this is a game you got to win. It's 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 kind of a must-win game. Um, look, if you want to have the type of season that we're expecting, this is one you got to get, and. You know, it's kind of been a, an up-and-down type year in terms of fans being bought in. Um, you've had some really high highs and some just ugly lows, which perhaps that's kind of just the sign of a Mike Leach team as we've come to learn at this point. And frankly, his career kind of lays that out as well. Um, and But but that being said, you're still sitting at 5-3 and three going into the final month of the season, which is where most of us had them predicted. And most of us had them predicted down to the exact game. It's just obviously, you know, having seen the games, putting things into context, that's where the frustrations come from. But again, a lot of us predicting that state was going to take three out of four to close out the season and get to that eight and four mark that you needed to have a successful year. It's all still in front of you, but you have to start with getting a win on Saturday against the Auburn Tigers. Um, I mean, even if you wanted to pull the line of, well, you know, it is Mike Leach, crazy things happen. He might lose this a crazy game to Auburn, but then find a way to beat UGA. Sure. It's possible. I won't rule out anything with Mike Leach, but at the same time, like I know that Georgia game's already announced as a sellout, but people still have to come to the game. And if you want the home atmosphere that is going to be necessary to pull out an up, pull off an upset next Saturday, you've got to show a win at home against Auburn this weekend. Um, I think you should get a pretty decent crowd. You know, first home game in several weeks, um, coming off a bye against a team I think most people expect you to be able to beat, uh, even with some of the weather. Like I said, it shouldn't be impacting game time. You need to show those fans that you're going to be able to go out and win. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're at home off a bye against a team that just fired its coach and took your athletic director. And, look, you can certainly – like, the interim boost is real. I've kind of made some jokes about it on social media about how, well, I think we're screwed now because they fired Brian Harson. And, of course, their interim is Cadillac Williams, who – if there's one guy you don't want to be, like, the next head coach of Auburn, it's probably Cadillac. Um and like all that is very real, the interim boost, all that kind of stuff, and how it can impact things. But how about we pull the other side of it, where the John Cohen disrespect boost, where your own AD said, ah, "I'd rather go to this other division rival because they have more money, and because they're more committed to NIL." Blah 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 blah. How about we use that as our motivation for this game? And I'm not saying that like I think most athletes don't really care that much about who the AD is, but I think it's just from a mentality standpoint of this team. You need to just go out and handle your business and not care about the fact that, uh, you know, this is a situation where you think Auburn's going to come out ready to play. You know, we all know Auburn Jesus is a thing, but you just got to find a way to win. Don't don't let Auburn Jesus rise again. It would be the line that I would use. Um, And, you know, apparently uh, 
Mark Keenum went and talked with the team about the situation with John Cohen leaving. And again, not that I think they would care that much, but that is you're, you're losing your AD to a team that you're literally playing this weekend and kind of just, you know, pass along to handle business. We don't need to worry about this. We're going to, you know, go out and get the best AD possible, that type, whole type of situation. But I think you need to have a team that's focused and ready to go. And look, Mike Leach needs this win just for having support down the line. I mentioned the the roller coaster uh, nature of this season, and you know you had a fan base that was already kind of reluctant to get on board beforehand, and or coming into the year. And again, you haven't done much to fully convince people to this point that you're going to be all in. This is one of those games where you have to show your fan base we're just going to go out and win this game against a team we're better than at home. So that's going to be obviously a big thing in this game is just can state go out and handle their business. Now let's get into previewing the Auburn Tigers, learn a little bit about this opponent. So those Auburn Tigers are three and five on the season, one and four in SEC play, and they've come into this game having lost four straight SEC games. It really should have been five straight. If you remember that game against Missouri early in the season, Mizzou had that game won multiple times and literally just handed the game back to Auburn. Um, they did have some chances though. Could have, uh, Beaten, should have probably should have beaten LSU. Had a shot against Ole Miss, and look, this team is not good. But even under Brian Harson, who they knew was a lame duck head coach, um, they didn't quit. And you know they they came out and tried to play their hardest each week. Just their hardest is not all that good. But again, like I mentioned, it gave them a shot in a couple of games, uh, including a couple against a couple teams that are pretty good. When you talk about Ole Miss and LSU. And it does sound like, and I, this is obvious, this happens anytime you get an interim coach, but there are reports that there is a new energy around the program with Cadillac Williams taking over as the interim, which, again, I reiterate, this is where you don't let things the thing happen, the, the thing that can't happen, which is where you let Auburn Jesus just come and kill you. Take a look at the Auburn offense. It's been pretty rough. They are 13th in the SEC at less than 23 points per game, kind of middle of the pack in terms of total yardage and yards per play, but they've given up 16 turnovers. Uh, they have the SEC's 12th, wor- uh, 12th, 12th ranked, sorry, third down defense, 11th ranked red zone touchdown percentage allowed. So, I mean, they're turning the football over. Uh, or, I sorry, I said that wrong. Not defense. Third down uh, conversion rate and red zone touchdown rate. Sorry, I've cleared that up. So, turn the ball over a lot. They're not good on third down. And when they get in the red zone, they don't punch it in the end zone. So, that's why you, you – even if you're not awful in terms of yardage, which I mean they're still under 400 yards a game, you're only scoring 23 points per game because you're not converting down in the red zone and you keep turning the football over. Um, and look, it all starts up front. Their offensive line is terrible. It's really bad. Some of that's from injury issues, but frankly, O-line has been a weak spot for the Auburn offense for several years now. Um, they give up a lot of pressure when they're, te- when they're dropping back. And their rushing numbers, look, the rush numbers look fine overall. That's because of the backs. The O line is not providing them opportunities. It's, you know, they're not. Uh, it's a lot of, uh, in terms of yards before contact, they're pretty low. In terms of actually paving away for the backs, it's the fact that they have some really fantastic running backs that they're even able to get anything going on the ground game because the O line is not creating those opportunities. Which talking about those backs, Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, both of them are really good. They've combined for 844 yards and 12 touchdowns at this point of the season. And then when you add in quarterback Robbie Ashford and what he's able to do on the ground, that's a really good rushing trio, um, which, I mean, that is sort of their offense. It, it goes through their ground game and just that three-headed rushing monster that, that is, you know, Bigsby, Hunter, and Ashford. Now, when you talk about Robert, Robbie Ashford as a passer, passer, it hasn't been great. 
162 yards per game, five touchdowns, five picks, just 53%. Um, now some of that is on the wide receivers. They they have one of the worst wide receiver cores in the SEC, uh, probably ahead of just Vanderbilt. Uh, but, I mean, outside of hitting some plays downfield off play action where they just have guys wide open because defenses don't respect their passing game at all, uh, he provides little in terms of actual arm talent out there and just making consistently good throws. Now, he is coming off his best game. Uh, he was legitimately good against Arkansas, put up big numbers in that game in all facets, was efficient throwing the football. But, look, we also know the Arkansas defense is bad. It's a bad defense you're going up against. This is really a situation when you talk about the Auburn offense where if you can limit their ground game, you probably did enough to win. Um, so that's going to be the biggest key when you talk about the MSU defense in this game is stopping the Auburn run game, which has been a concern for Mississippi State's defense throughout the season, especially with those teams that have the quarterbacks who can run. But they did come off – they were coming off a really good game against Alabama where they really limited Jameer Gibbs in that Alabama run game. Um, and, of course, you're getting Jaden Crumity back who's going to be a big piece along that defensive line. At, oh, Auburn defensively, it's not what we would expect. You know, that's a team that – or a program that for a long time they typically field really strong defenses. But, again, it, it's, it's a down year for them. Um, they're giving up nearly 30 points per game and 407 yards per game. Uh, they've been bad on third downs. They have uh, the worst red zone defense in the SEC. If you get into the red zone against Auburn, you're scoring. Um, and they've only forced six turnovers. So remember, 16 turnovers given up from the offense. They've only forced six on defense. It's a minus 10 margin, which is the SEC's worst. Um, and part of the reason that you see they're so bad in the red zone is because their run defense is abysmal. It's the worst in the SEC giving up 213 yards per game at five yards per attempt, which is just awful. 23 rushing touchdowns allowed in the season. That is the third most in the country. You can run on this Auburn team. And for a Mississippi State team that has shown more of a commitment, at least relative to previous years, to running the football, getting Sharp back, getting Johnson back, and the fact that State has shown the ability to run the football against teams that aren't as good at defending the run uh, or stopping the run. Yeah. Um. I think Mississippi State should be able to run the football in this game. Uh, and that that is a weakness for this Auburn defense, and that certainly has to be a part of the game plan. Um, their passing defense is good in terms of their numbers, but some of that goes to the fact that teams just run the ball against them. Teams are not feeling teams don't feel like they have to drop back and throw. And, and the few better quarterbacks they've faced, uh, they've been pretty fine in terms of the numbers that they put up against this Auburn defense. So you know, like KJ Jefferson had a pretty good day against them. Sean Clifford, who, you know, say what you will about him, but he is a veteran quarterback who's a pretty solid player. He had a good day against them. Um, you can have success through the air against Auburn. It's just a lot of teams haven't had to. Uh, they're okay at getting pressure on quarterbacks. They're getting about two sacks per game, but it's not like a ferocious pass rush. Um, but if you're going to talk about Auburn up front, uh, edge rusher Derek Hall, shout out to the city of Gulfport. Um, he is a bright spot. Five sacks on the season, eight tackles for loss, and an interception, which Auburn only has two interceptions total as a team on the year. Like I mentioned, have not been forcing many turnovers. Um, he's an outstanding player who, unfortunately, is just stuck on an awful team. Um, but, you know, you go to Auburn, that's kind of the situation you're in right now. Uh, Owen Papo leads the team in tackles. They're at over eight per game, which is one of the you know highest tackle rates in the SEC. And then DJ James on the back end uh, leads with six passes defended. Doesn't have an interception, but six passes broken up. I mean, they're good at kicking and punting. So when you look at the special teams game, maybe they do have an edge there considering MSU's woes. But this just isn't that great of an Auburn defense. 
So I think if you start talking about what are the keys to this game, well, I mentioned it when you talked about their offense, you have to contain their ground game. Uh, if they can't run the ball, I don't think they can do much. And for me, it makes it very simple. Load the box and force them to win over the top. Now, maybe that becomes a little bit more complicated with no Emmanuel Forbes out there, but I feel like this is why you brought in Marcus Banks, previous you know four-star top 100 recruit who goes to Alabama and probably could have been a guy to contribute at Alabama if he had been willing to wait a little bit longer. He's going to step, you got to see him step up in this game, opposite of DeCameron Richardson. I, I feel like you should still trust that your DBs against Auburn's receiving core, which is bad, even with no Emmanuel Forbes, should be able to hold their own. You got to commit to stopping the run game, it, force them to win over top. And look, in terms of containing their quarterbacks, by God, do not have Nathan Pickering out there trying to be a spy against Robbie Ashford. Um, you got to put one of the linebackers on him or a safety or do something like, Again, if they can't run, they can't do much on offense. You have to sell out to stop the run. Uh, when it comes to your offense, I think it's just be efficient out there. They they cannot stop the run. They have struggled against that with that mightily. Now, maybe they see that as a, a weakness for them and say, well, we're going to put six men in the box and try to outnumber MSU's run game, which, as I've mentioned before, that is probably a, a smarter move. But at the same time, like even with their pass defense being a, you know, a quote-unquote strength, I don't know how – good it actually is if you can face a team that's competent throwing the football. And I think MSU still is. I know they've had some rough games in recent weeks, but you're an air raid team, right? We've seen this team be able to throw the ball. It's kind of weird talking about that as being a struggle point. I really think if your offensive line handles this business, you're you're fine on offense. Um, I, and that's where, again, getting sharp back is huge for you. Getting an extra week of preparation to get some things dialed in an extra week for receivers to work on catching the football and being able to, you know, handle some uh, tighter coverage. You know, I, we talked a lot, a lot about that. How we thought the bye week came at a really big time. It's kind of time to show that you did things to correct some of your problems. Um, but I think you can have a big day if you fix some of that. And then look, it's been a running theme, but I think it's especially true in this, in this instance, don't make simple mistakes. Really? I mean, that's exactly how you're going to let a team like Auburn get into this game is that you make the dumb, simple mistakes. They are not as good as you, and they are desperate to find something to fall their way. You can't be going out there dropping passes and committing stupid pre-snap penalties uh, and, you know, muffing punts and missing kicks. Like, it's stuff like that. And I think you have to expect that Auburn's going to try to come out and find a way to seize momentum early. Like, I will not be shocked if on the first drive you see some sort of a shot play or a trick play something from Auburn to try to rejuvenate some life because obviously they, 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 I guess they technically are still playing for a bowl game. And if they want to go to a bowl, they have to win this one, but more than likely, I mean, Auburn knows that, you know, going to be an entirely new coaching staff next year. Pro season's largely over for them at this point. They're just kind of out there playing for pride and trying to show something going forward. They're going to take some chances. I think they're going to be aggressive. You have to be ready for that if you're Zach Arnett, and, and defensively you got to handle it. And, you know, this is all going back to that point of don't let Auburn Jesus rise again. Don't let Auburn do the things that Auburn has always found a way to done. Find found a way to done. Great uh, English by me. Find a way to do and find a way just to win games in the craziest fashion, including against Mississippi State. You just got to go out and handle your business. We'll say – we're going to bring that back. The pick a number game uh, is one little thing. Yards per rush for the Auburn offense that we trust that State still wins the game. Now, I didn't get Daniel's take on this, so I'll, 
I came up with this one, and you know, here I'm sitting. I didn't come up with a number. I'm going to say that if you hold them under four yards per rush, I feel pretty good. And even, frankly, I might go like 4.2, 4.2. I think if Auburn's at 4.2 yards per carry, you're probably still fine because at that point, like that's not a bad spot to be, but I also expect they're going to really commit to the running game and you're probably going to see them hit a few longer runs. Um, I, I, I don't think, though, at that point they're gashing you. So I think if, if you can hold them to 4.2 or less yards per carry, I think you still feel, feel pretty good about Mississippi State winning this game. All right, so now's the time for our pick segment uh, on today's episode. Quick look back at last week. You know, I know Daniel was really excited to get the win against me yeah, a couple weeks ago, but I had to get back to my winning ways. Uh, six and two week for me, five and three for him. We don't need to waste our time going through all the games, but in terms of where we stand on the season, I'm 56 and 23 with a seven and two head to head compared to 40, 46, 33 for Daniel with a two and seven record on the season. So, uh, you know, I continue to dominate him in making these picks, but he didn't have a bad week last week. When we do have a couple differences in our picks this week, he sent his in. So we'll see if uh, maybe he can make up a little bit more ground here. First game we're going to talk about, Kentucky goes on the road to Missouri. Spread on this one's down a lot closer than I think most people would have expected before the season. I think Kentucky's around a one-and-a-half point favorite on the road. You know, Mizzou gets the win against South Carolina. Big upset victory for them, whereas Kentucky just gets massacred in Knoxville against Tennessee. Everything he, you know, we kind of said about, hey, Kentucky's got some things figured out. They could give Tennessee a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, no, we were wrong. Uh, Kentucky's still not that good, which is why that loss up in Lexington for State is a bit disappointing. But I still don't fully trust Mizzou. I also feel like this could be Mizzou getting their own letdown. But, I mean, at the same time, I think they also see there's an opportunity for to get to a bowl game now uh, for Eli Drinkwood's squad. So this is going to be tight, probably going to be disgusting to watch. But uh, both Daniel and I are taking the Wildcats. Uh, Florida on the road to Texas A&M. This is another game that probably is just going to be ugly to watch. Uh, Gators got steamrolled by Georgia. I know they made it look interesting in the third quarter, but that's frankly because Georgia was up 28-3 and took their foot off the gas, which never take your foot off the gas when you're up 28-3. We all know that's a cursed score. Um, But when Georgia woke up, they put Florida away no problem. Texas A&M, maybe they got something to Connor Wegman. Maybe they found the quarterback for the future. I mean, they looked much better against that Ole Miss defense that – Frankly, we've learned is not all that good, but frankly, AM's offense hasn't looked good against anybody on the season. So this game could be interesting. Anthony Richardson going on the road, who has not been fantastic this season, even though, to be fair, he's kind of the only thing Florida has going for their offense. We both went with the Aggies on this one, but it is another ugly, ugly game. Game of the day, the game everybody's going to be paying attention to. Uh, by AP poll, number one, Tennessee versus number three, Georgia. But college football playoff, I believe it's number one versus number two. The scene in Athens should be remarkable. Um, I mean, this is a must-watch. I'm glad it is not taking place at the same time as the state game so that I can give this my full attention during that afternoon slate. Going to be really interested uh, to see how Georgia manages to handle that Tennessee offense. Um, we've talked, I think I've talked a bit on this show about how that offense kind of operates and um, what goes into it. And the types of defenses who can give it problems would be defenses like Georgia, which I know that's obvious. Georgia's defense gives everybody problems. But, I mean, we saw what Tennessee did to Alabama. It's a you know a matchup thing as well and how, how you're able to scheme stuff up. Can you trust your guys in the back end to stay in man coverage? or 
so that you can commit enough guys to the box to take away their run game. And that's going to be the matchup that determines this game. Um, and can you know how does Tennessee perform in the red zone? It's going to be huge. They have one of the best red zone offenses in the country, and I think Georgia is probably going to have to be banking on making stops down there. So this game should be a ton of fun to watch. I expect a lot of fireworks. Daniel is riding with the Vols. Uh, he is uh, buying in that it still feels like 98. I am almost there. I think it's going to be a great game, but I'm going to take the dogs. I'm going to take Georgia in Athens at home. I do think Tennessee having to go into a road environment, which is not something they faced much of this year, could give them some problems. And I do think Georgia's got the type of defense that can find a way to limit uh, that Tennessee veer and shoot. Uh, But that's going to be an awesome game. Hugh Freeze trying to make a nice little audition tape for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, as he's going to go to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks with his Liberty Flames. Um, Arkansas has got some stuff figured out. K.J. Jefferson is back, and that offense is rolling. Their defense still is not good, and because of that, Liberty, who only has one loss in the season to this point, which was a close loss to Wake Forest, uh, who's a you know, pretty good team, I, I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. I would expect the Flames to put up points, especially because there's no question Hugh Varese is going to try to put something special out there on tape. Uh to try and, you know, again, justify to Auburn, hey, you know, come come get me. But uh, we are going to both go with the Hogs at home. Another really good game, the game that for so often would have been taking the place that Tennessee-Georgia is. Uh, number six, Alabama, goes to Death Valley to face the 10th-ranked LSU Tigers. Kind of interesting that LSU was ranked as highly as they were. Um, but that team is playing really, really well right now. Um, and Alabama has shown some – uh, susceptibility where you can get them. Unfortunately, Mississippi State can't get them because Mississippi State can't do anything against Alabama. Uh, this game will be fun to watch. I mean, we'll, we'll be obviously paying attention to Mississippi State, but ESPN, Night in Death Valley. The interesting thing is that Alabama has not lost in Baton Rouge since 2010. LSU, you know, been able to get a couple wins against Alabama since that point. Both of those wins came in Tuscaloosa. Um, like Alabama kind of you know, owns Tiger Stadium to an extent. You know it's going to be a ridiculous atmosphere. We know this is an Alabama team that's gettable and LSU's playing well. I do think it'll be a good game, but we're both going with Alabama. I'm just – I'm not trusting LSU to take down the Tide. Um, even though they were close last year in Tuscaloosa. Another ugly game. The SEC has some games this week that are going to be competitive but are just not going to be fun to watch. South Carolina at Vanderbilt. South Carolina was riding high. They're 5-2. and two. Everybody's feeling excited, ranked in the top 25, talking about, we're going to win eight games this year, and then they lose to Mizzou. Vanderbilt obviously starts off the year 3-1, and one, and since that point has lost every SEC game they've played, but they have shown some fight. Led Ole Miss at high, halftime, uh, were, went down to the wire with Missouri. If they're going to get an SEC win, though, they're going to have to do it this weekend in Nashville against this Gamecock team that, I said it. They're not very good. They just happen to have a good start to the season. And if South Carolina wants to make a bowl, they've got to get this one. Um, Well, they don't have to, but they kind of have to. They have Florida after, which that's going on the road to the swamp. They can win that game, but it's not a guarantee. And then it's Tennessee and Clemson. uh, And yeah, Tennessee and Clemson to close out, which two games I'm not picking them to win. So. Gamecocks want to go bowling. they got to find a way to go up to Nashville and win. I think it's going to be competitive. I think it'll be close. I think Fandy has a real shot to win, but neither of us are brave enough to take the doors uh, and say anchor down. So 
we'll go with South. Both of us are taking South Carolina. A couple games from the national slate. This one on Friday night. So if you're willing to stay up late for the Pac-12 after dark, and if you want to watch a disgusting weather game, number 23, Oregon State, goes on the road to Seattle to take on the Washington Huskies. Both teams are 6-2 and two in the season. I believe Washington is like a four-and-a-half point favorite in that range. I might have the line backwards. Washington got at that super hot start. Michael Penix and that offense were looking fantastic, and then the recent weeks have sort of faded off kind of back closer to what we expected. But, again, 6-2 and two start is probably better than you would have thought for them. Oregon State's a really fun team this year. Their only losses are close loss at home to USC where they absolutely could have won. Kind of got handled on the road at Utah, uh, but there was some bad turnover luck that inflated that score a little bit. And, look, Utah's a good team. Beavers are able to run the football really well. This game, the, the line everybody's using is atmospheric river moving over Seattle during the game, which basically is just saying it's going to be rainy and windy, uh, which means it's going to be disgusting conditions for a Pac-12 after dark showdown on a Friday night. Oregon's, Oregon State's able to run the ball really well. Washington more relies on their pass game. I'm taking the Beavers at home, but uh, Daniel is going to pick Washington. So we do have a difference there. That's going to be a fun game to watch if you like ugly, sloppy football. Uh, but two quality teams. In the Big 12, number 24, Texas goes on the road to 13K State. Kansas State just dominating Oklahoma State this past weekend. Um, and Daniel had been picking against them for a while, whereas I had been riding with them. Uh, it paid off for me. And this week he's on the train. You know, Texas, there was all the talk where if Quinn Ewers never got hurt, uh, they would be, you know, un- oh, they could have been undefeated, you know, going into a, you know, a couple weeks ago. But then I'm trying to remember, who did they lose to? Oh, yeah, they, they blew a 14-point lead to Oklahoma State. They're still ranked, obviously, but have not looked all that impressive. We're both taking the Wildcats here to get the dub in Manhattan. Last game that we're going to pick, uh, number 21, Wake Forest, at number 22, NC State. We've mentioned it a few times, NC State without quarterback Devin Leary kind of makes things difficult for them, but they have figured out a little bit of a different offense to go with with the quarterback they have there on the roster now. Um, they've got some things sorted out. have been playing much better uh, since kind of crafting a game plan around that guy. Wake Forest, man, had the worst third quarter of all time against Louisville. Turned the ball over six times and were outscored like 35 to nothing in the third quarter against a Louisville team that is kind of just waiting to find a way to fire its coach. Um, they ended up turning the ball over eight times in that game. Sam Hartman just had a terrible, terrible day. We're both banking, though, that Wake is going to get back on the right track. We're both taking Wake Forest. And we'll point out, Wake has won like four of the last five against NC State in this annual rivalry uh, there in the state of North Carolina. Um, look, it was a bad day for Sam Hartman, but ultimately I'm rel- he is the better quarterback here. I'm going to trust him to get the win. So those are our picks for the week. We'll see how that all turns out. Time to talk about Mississippi State. And, look, we broke it down. This is a huge game. Uh, this is a game Mississippi State has to get. And I mentioned I've joked some on Twitter about Auburn Jesus and the interim coach boost and us just being screwed. I, and I was very tempted to try and just take Auburn and just like be negative and play in. We're going to lose this game. Maybe against my better judgment, though. And I say that like it, the pick is going to make sense, but I'm going to stick with Mississippi State. I'm going to hold out some hope and hope that the Bulldogs coming off their bye can take care of business. Still going to expect a competitive game. I am not going to sit here and predict Mississippi State dominate against Auburn just because I'm sure Auburn is going to get a bit of a boost, and they do have some matchups there when, you know, Derek Hall going up against our offensive line, uh, their running game going up against our run defense. Um, 
that I think could potentially present some trouble. But I'm going to take the Bulldogs 27-20. Uh, for Daniel, um, I you know I asked him if he had any thoughts to provide for the game, and he just made it really simple, expect chaos. And I think you're right. Anytime MSU plays Auburn, you can expect chaos. You can expect something stupid is going to happen. But he is also riding with the Bulldogs. More comfortable victory uh, for him, 34-21. to um, I think that would be the type of game fans would certainly be excited for if it were to happen. We're both going with MSU wins. Look, I think it's just a situation where you got to trust that MSU has played really well at home. Auburn, even though there's maybe a couple matchups that might favor them, you are the better team. And you should be able to handle their business. And you shouldn't have to worry about the fact that, oh, well, their team's going to play hard because they have an interim coach who used to play there. You just got to come out and uh, handle your business. So we're both predicting that. We're both predicting Mississippi State to get the win and get to get bowl eligible in the season and then set up a huge matchup against Georgia next Saturday in Sarkville. Uh, and I think if State wins, you're going to see a, a pretty raucous atmosphere at Davis Wade Stadium. If they lose, going to be some tough conversations having to be had. But we're both predicting State to come out on top. So thanks, everybody, for listening. That's going to do it for me today. Um, sorry, again, that we couldn't have Daniel on to get a few different perspectives. But, uh, you know, we still wanted to make sure we got a preview there out for, for you guys. So uh, thanks for listening. As always, swing your sword, hail State, and donate to the Bulldog Initiative.